This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This podcast is scheduled for 10 questions. Fighting out of New York. Standing at 5 feet 11 inches tall. And wearing the red, white, and blue trunks. Presenting Kyle Pratt. Thank you, Bruce Buffer. Welcome to 10 Questions. I'm telling you, this one is special. I mean, really, really special. You know the deal here. 10 questions, 10 points available. Everybody leaves with a score. Sometimes the score is a badge of honor. Sometimes it's a scarlet letter. If you haven't listened before, even if you have, before we get to today's contestant, let's give a little bit of context. Have a listen to just a few of the prior contestants and see how they did with their score. I'm Aaron Rodgers, and I got six out of 10. Hi, I'm Paul Rudd, and I got a seven out of 10. Hey, I'm Aaron Andrews. I got a five out of 10. Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I got four out of 10. I'm Guy Fieri, and I got six out of 10. It's Kyle Cheats. <laughs> I do not cheat. I only smile when I think about today's contestant. Give me my contestant intro music, please, because here we go. This gentleman has a uniform in the Baseball Hall of Fame. He has a handwritten letter from Mr. Rogers. He once had lunch with Nelson Mandela at Mr. Mandela's house. He did not grow up with a television in his home. He worked in phone sales, lasted one day, and he has a brand new aural podcast experience called Babo Supreme. I listened to it last night. It is wild. People got to hear this thing. His name is Tim Robbins. Tim, welcome to 10 Questions. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Tim, you've had a decades-long career. You've won Academy Awards. You're a family man. Did you ever think you'd be competing against all pro quarterbacks and celebrity chefs? (laughs) No, no, but I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. I believe it. I want to make sure you know the ground rules here, Tim, before we get into it. There are going to be 10 questions. They're each worth one point. If you get the question right, you get a very pleasant sound that sounds something like this. Okay. I anticipate a lot of those from you, Robbins. But if you do not get it right, it's a less pleasant sound. You'll know because it sounds like this. Mm, Cheers. I've heard that before. (laughs) <laughs> you have not. I've seen your filmography, sir. I've seen you on stage. Here's the deal, Tim. Some of the questions are going to sound really strange, out of completely out of nowhere, but I promise you, every one of them has something to do with your life and your career. There is a connective sinew, and I will find it. Should you not be able to find it, Tim, last thing you need to know before we start, you have one, what we call a lifeline. It's called a coin toss. If you have no idea, like Kyle, I, I am totally clueless. Call for the coin toss, and I'll give you two choices. You just can choose A or B. You get to use it once throughout the questions. Wow. Okay, so what do I win if I get 10 out of 10? You win uh, what I know you crave more than anything, social media adoration, Tim. Uh, Okay. (laughs) As if you don't have it already. I've seen how many gifts this guy has. Without further ado, here is Tim Robbins' 10 questions. Here we go, Tim. Question number one. Your category is coffee. At Starbucks, Tim, they got three main sizes. What is the name for the smallest size of Starbucks coffee? Grande. Is that your final answer? It applies to you somehow. And this one might be a little counterintuitive. What is the smallest size of Starbucks coffee of the three? I don't really go to Starbucks, but um, let's see. Uh... Regular? (laughs) I don't know. Tim Robbins says regular. Is he right? This is what will piss you off, Tim. And what pisses me off, the American consumer. 
It's called Tall. I yeah, knew tall. you knew it. The shortest one is yeah. called Tall. I, I asked actually, it before you told me, though. Isn't that a isn't that a yes? I don't think so. I, because because I judges I, judges uh, judges say oh for one you're a tall drink of water six foot five everything that seems to be written about the work you do or a public appearance refers to your height Tim did you play a lot of sports growing up I did yeah I uh, I was I played um, well I grew up in New York City so I played some sandlot ball on you know um, so hard ball that would and then we broke some windows played softball on concrete playgrounds. Played basketball, played mostly hockey, roller on ro- roller skates, and uh, played some football as well, tackle uh, football. You played Pick offensive tackle and pads. I played center. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then I, in college I played uh, flag football, and we had a softball team as well. Were you good? I mean, what was your best sport? Because you really are gifted with height. I'm sure you could use it somehow. Was yeah, it, but was I, it I chose the one sport where height didn't matter, which was hockey. So that's smart. Um, yeah. <laughs> what was your second choice? Being a jockey, Tim? I mean, come on. <laughs> but uh, it's a beautiful sport, hockey. Beautiful sport. Yeah, street hockey, rollerblade hockey, all the way. I know you're a big Rangers fan. I, uh, yeah, I still play too. Yeah. How's your game? Slap shot, wrist shot? What do you do? Um, play mostly defense, but uh, yeah, uh, I, finesse is what it's about at this age, right? Absolutely. All right. We, we finessed our way to an 0 for 1 start, but Tim, we're going to get cooking here. Here's, I'm gonna, here's how I'm going to help you because I'm, I'm so flattered and so excited you came on. For question number two, I'm going to give you your choice of category. You can choose whichever one you like. Would you like the category of leading ladies or would you like fast food? Uh, leading ladies? I think that's a good choice. All right. Leading ladies is the category. For Tim Robbins' first point, Tim, Diana Ross was the lead singer of what group? Supremes. He says the Supremes was just a touch of that he was insulted by the question because yeah, it was I too mean, easy. Is he right? Is it the Supremes? I want to get you on the board. All right, an empty netter, uh, if you were. Are you are you patronizing me now? <laughs> well, if you would have chosen the fast food one, I think you would have gotten it wrong. So you made the right choice. I gave you an empty netter. Uh, I'm talking about the Supremes, of course, because I'll tell you the story, Tim. Last night I'm sitting on my couch. And I'm listening to Babo Supreme and I'm laughing, I'm gasping, I'm reacting. This is this wild new podcast and movie form project that you've done. The cast in this thing is unbelievable. Jack Black, Isla Fisher, Alfred Woodard, Haley Joel Osment, Patton Oswalt, Ted Levine, who I love. Tim, tell us how this came together because it's a mind blower. It really is. Thank you so much, Cal. Um, yeah. I wrote it last sum, uh, summer ago. Um, I was up in Boston and I was looking at what was going on, the, just the insanity of the kind of domestic political nightmare that we're in. And I, um, I started thinking about writing, you know, a, a character like Bob Roberts, this, play, uh, this movie I did about this folk singing Republican politician and it didn't make sense coming out of his mouth so i started writing the character baba supreme uh as this character called ubu the king which is a play written 120 years ago at the first performance of it the paris audience was so pissed off they they tore up all the seats of the theater and and there was a riot and it became this moment of of that kind of defined the early part of the century this uh kind of character is this kind of unbridled unhinged id uh this guy that's just behavior without consequence and uh it it made a lot of sense so it started to really flow and i finished it and i was i went to adam mckay who's a friend and he said he'd help me you know try to make a movie out of it so we were about to go out to financiers when the pandemic hit and I didn't want to stop, so I, I started writing to adapt it to an oral experience, A-U-R-A-L. Yeah. And um, I wanted to create a movie for the ears. I wanted to create something that had motion, um, was moving for, to different locations, had music, had this environment that, of the White House, that, that Bobo Supreme's White House is this wild place uh, with uh, entertainment studios and game shows and... Um, a strip club and, and just all this craziness. 
And I, uh, I called some friends in June this year, and I, uh, I asked if they were interested, and I, I sent them a script, and they all said yes right away. These are all people I've worked with, friends of mine from various movies throughout the years. And um, we all recorded it remotely. Uh, we tapped into one uh, engineer, and everyone was doing it in their various places from all over the country. And uh, it, it, we started editing it about four weeks ago, and it's ready to go, and it's coming out Thursday, October 8th. It's so packed, and I could tell listening to you, you're almost smiling while you're doing it. It sounds like you had a blast. The oh, writing yeah. is so fast. You know what it reminded me of? You hear all these glory tales of radio shows back in the day, like Buck Rogers or Little yes. Orphan Annie. It, it has the sense of that, except like on some heavy, heavy drugs and speed because it is so <laughs> relentless and the writing is so funny. So say we didn't say it, then 10 minutes later, tweet Go Patriots. And ding, 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 ding. And then there's strippers and there's rock stars. I mean, it, dude, it took my breath away. Like I, I was, I was kind of tired when I listened. I'm like, I've never heard something like that. People got to check this out. Oh, thank you so much. I, I'm really proud of it. I'm really yeah. proud of the people that were involved with it um, the, and the engineers and the editors. And it's it's just, I'm really uh, excited. I'm excited to see what people think. I feel it's a new realm of entertainment that we yeah. can do right now. We, we all, you know, to do remotely, uh, to tap into people's creativity at this time and to tell stories that are kind of resonant to what's happening right now. You know, this, the, I think it's humor is essential for our survival it's, it, it's absolutely essential and we need to sometimes when all this madness is going on you need to take a step back and just laugh at it and realize that what the what the truth is through entertainment through laughter through the truth that laughter can bring out in us and um, so super excited super excited we're doing a, a, a presentation tonight at the New York Film Festival oh no way yeah okay yeah, at, uh, tonight uh, we're doing the panel, and this is kind of our premiere. So, I'm uh, oh, you can man. see I'm all uh, gussied up for the premiere and uh, <laughs> yeah, right. got a black t-shirt on. And... Yeah, J. Crew formal, I can tell. No, but what I can <laughs> tell is that you you come to life when you talk about it, and like your eyes start to twinkle, and you're very very excited. And believe me, when people listen to Babo Supreme, uh, I don't care where your politics are, left right doesn't really don't really give a shit. This thing is kinetic. It is over the top, and it, it is awesome. I had a great time listening to it, Tim. Thanks so much. It's on uh, Patreon. Patreon. Everybody check it out, and there's going to be episodes to continue to drop. Tim, your score is continuing to rise. You're one for two. We're going to question three now. Your category is finish your line. Generally speaking, Tim, all the films you've done over the years, do you, do you remember some of your lines for certain movies? Oh, I usually forget them the day after I do them. All right, we're going to put that to the <laughs> just test. just a limited amount of space up here. I get so. it. The files have to be deleted. I have a <laughs> clip from a film you did once in which you're speaking, and what's going to happen here is we're going to play the clip, we're going to stop it on a dime, and then you have to say what your next line is. Now, okay. I'm not going to tell you the movie. It's We found a movie you did years and years ago. You're sitting there, you're doing a scene. I want to make sure I get the man's name right. You're doing a scene with an actor named Morgan Freeman. And the two of you guys apparently are convicted murderers. You're sitting in a prison. You're upset. You're saying how you want to get the hell out of here. And the scene goes on. I'm not sure people are familiar with the movie or not, but listen to the clip. And when it stops, Tim, see if you can finish your line. Here it is. I don't think you ought to be doing this to yourself, Andy. This is just shitty pipe dreams. I mean, Mexico is way to hell down there, and you're in here, and that's the way it is. Yeah, right. That's the way it is. It's down there and I'm in here. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living or get busy dying. I'm going to tear up, Tim. I'm going to tear up, Andy. Excuse me. That was, I mean, it was beautiful. The second you heard it, you didn't have to, you didn't even have to think about it, did you? Yeah. Well, that's a good philosophy for life. It's a great philosophy now more than ever, as they yeah. say. If you're sitting yeah. around your house watching Netflix all day, get busy, get busy living. So many things to do now, by the way. I know sure. it's frustrating for so many people, but there are so many closets to clean and so many, uh, so many things to create, even within the confines of these restrictions. I'm, I, I'm, I'm finding it a very inspiring time. There really has never been a time in modern history to get busy living 
more than 2020. And there's a lot of things you can do as we're seeing with the new show that you have on the flip side of that, Tim, there's still a lot of sitting around watching TV to this day, all these years later, if it's a Sunday afternoon, you're in your sweatpants channel surfing and you come upon the Shawshank Redemption, we watch it. Uh, no, I tend, I, I tend not to do that. I, I tend not, first of all, to be channel surfing these days. I have done it in the past. Um, but, uh, no, I won't, I, 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 I don't want to get down into that, uh, wormhole, uh, like searching the, searching the TV for stuff I've been in. <laughs> and even if I stumble on it, I, I, I there's no. Even if it's the scene when Andy plays the record, you're telling me you're not That's stopping, you liar. Scene. You're not stopping. That's a beautiful. I would watch that scene. That's a beautiful scene. I love that scene. That that the music of that is so moving. Yeah. I read that during the shooting of that, that you and Morgan Freeman at night would get together for barbecues. That's true. Sure was. Yeah. And what'd yeah. you do? Just hang out and sip and drink. And hung talk? out. You know, stuff I can't tell you about, but you know, st- you know, we we hung out. Stuff you can't tell me about. Yeah, What's you know, just on? fun stuff, you know. So if you have the barbecue. It might have been slightly illegal. Oh, sure. Yeah, aromatic, yeah. that type of thing. Sure. Who knows? <laughs> Listen, you could. he's the guy who knows how to get things, right? So I'm sure you could get no, your hands just on whatever doing. you want. It's just oh, me it's doing it. He was no, watching. Just, of course. Yeah. When you have a get-together and enjoy whatever you want, chicken wings or whatever, do do uh, Clancy Brown and Bob Gunton, who were Hadley and the Warden, do they get invited to that? Actually, I had a house and I had a little bit of a – I had a basketball, half-court basketball court, and Clancy would come over and uh, we'd play. Uh, hung out with him quite a lot. I like, I like Clancy a lot. Uh, and and uh, a couple of the other guys as well. We were in Mansfield, Ohio. I was staying in a Seventh Day Adventist dentist's house. Wow! Just, just a little detail there. <laughs> so this, I live for this stuff. And so you're telling me that Clancy Brown, who plays Byron Hadley in the movie, would come over, and in effect, it was Hadley versus Dufresne in basketball, and both That's of you right. guys are huge. How did these games go? Uh, I don't remember. I all I remember is that it was fun. I don't remember who won, who lost. I could I could talk some trash right now, but I'm not going to do it. It's a good guy, Clancy Brown. Is it possible you don't remember Tim because Clancy won? Uh, could be. Could <laughs> could very well be. A selective memory in the role of Andy Dufresne <laughs> on the court. Yes. Uh, my 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 dreams are full of championships. Yes. I, I'm just picturing William Sadler hitting three pointers from the corner and talking there all kinds go. of shit to you. There you guys. go. Just just like doing it to us, right? The Shawshank runs. Tim, we have so much to get to, but I, I want to know if I want to put you in an experience. Let's say God forbid something terrible happens to you, Tim Robbins, and you're convicted of a, a felony and you have to go to prison. You're in a cell and uh, there's a poster of, let's say it's Charlize Theron and it's covering a hole and you crawl out, you get to the septic pipe. Do you think you have it in you to you, Tim Robbins, crawl through 500 yards of shit smelling foulness that I can't possibly imagine? Could you do it? You know, a scientist once pointed out to me that the methane from that would kill you. In the pipe that Andy yeah. would have just died from the gas. Oh, well, that's a real downer. <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> I will say, though, that they had clean dirt in that tunnel, meaning it's called Fuller's Earth. Okay. But they make, like, if they're going to put mud on you, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's non-toxic dirt. Yeah. And so uh, it was cleaner in the tunnel than it was in the river I fell into coming out of the tunnel. River, the river I fell into out of, coming out of the tunnel is a river that runs through farmland. So it had, it was toxic. It had, yeah. you know, cow urine and, you know, so. <laughs> wow. I, I got to uh, get back into that shit pipe so I can clean off. right? Yeah. So when I'm going like this, I'm actually like, please get this toxic stuff off of me. That's amazing. So do you, that day in the shoot, how do you do that? And then they break for lunch and you go and get your, your hummus and your carrot sticks. Are you just covered in, in cow urine and in fake? No, they, shit? they had a little shower for me. They, oh, they, thank they, God. They, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. Last note on Shawshank and we'll move on. Tim, it's been 25 years of praise for the film and God knows it deserves it. I want to go the other way. 
Um, a lot of times when athletes will join the NFL or the NBA, once they become stars, they go back and they read some of the doubts that people had about them. This guy can't work hard. This guy can't jump. You know, Shawshank has 91% approval on Rotten Tomatoes, which means there's 9% of people who at the time were like, not feeling this film. They dropped the ball here. Don't like it. I've actually gone back and found some of the reviews and things that people wrote. <laughs> Negative Shawshank reviews. And here's Look, what I'm going to do. I'm going to read them. It's just a couple to you. And you tell me, Tim, maybe they're onto something or this guy's out of his mind. So here's a couple. For example, this comes from Palo Alto Weekly. One and a half stars. The Shawshank Redemption continually abandons plausibility <laughs> in order to celebrate the triumph of hope over despair. What do you think? I must have had a bad week, you know. <laughs> the Palo Alto Weekly, he just had a bad week, got a parking ticket, he's pissed off. His wife's bitching at him. Yeah, whatever. come on, Ooh, come yeah. on, take the kids. It says plausibility. So they're saying, oh, that would never happen. He would be caught. You couldn't dig for 20 years. You probably hear that stuff. I, You know, listen, I, there are so many critics uh, and I, I learned long ago that, you know, when I work with my actors and the actors game, cr criticism doesn't help, right? It, it's just, it's just, you know, you can notice something that is wrong. Anybody can notice anything that's wrong. It's like when you're, when you give a script to a studio and you have all these like ex film students that never could make it as filmmakers and their job is to find something wrong with the script. Right. They're not going to fight. You never get a notes back saying everything's perfect. Here's $20 million. Yeah, right. Go to town. Sure. There's always got to be some expert that's going to advise you. And, and so that happens throughout the creative process from the very beginning, from your very first draft, all the way through the reviews. And so I tend to just think, well, you know, just didn't get it. Doesn't make them a bad person. Just, just didn't get it. But, Listen, there should be some things that are sacred. And God damn it, Tim, the Shawshank Redemption should be immune to this. For example, Movie Line in 1994, Gimme My Music, wrote this. In truth, it's the purest Hollywood hokum. A sunny, hot-tugging hymn to that old chestnut, the indomitability of the human spirit. <laughs> now that person's calling it corny. And you're laughing. Are you kidding me? Oh, movie line? Man. Oh, movie line. Well, that doesn't exist anymore, does it? I Probably not after that review. Oops. <laughs> Shouldn't have pan Shawshank. What else Oops. did you not like? Pulp Fiction and Back to the Future? Come on now. All right, last one. This is the best one, Tim. Listen to this. This is one line only. Slant Magazine gave the Shawshank Redemption one and a half stars. And listen to their walk-off line. My music, please. The Shawshank Redemption is beaches for straight men. <laughs> it's not a bad line. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> well, at least he's funny. <laughs> really funny. He was feeling, I think that guy was having a good day. And he said, yeah. you know what? Screw this movie. Beaches for straight men. It made you laugh. <laughs> That's hysterical. I like that. All right. Negative Shawshank reviews. We found some. You got all positive reviews, Tim, because you're two points out of three. We're going to get clicking now. Question number four. Your category is track and field. Tim Robbins, in a relay race, what is the nickname for the person who runs fourth? Last guy gets it. The last guy or girl is called what? Did you do the track and field at Stuyvesant High School? Oh, it's the oh, what is it called? And it's at the tip of my tongue. Um, uh, okay, I'm gonna take my uh, my my your coin toss. Yeah. Okay. Tim Robbins wants the coin toss. This is a well-used coin toss here. The last person in a relay, is it called the period or is it called the anchor? The anchor. It's the anchor. Light them up. It's the anchor. Wow, you're anchor. shaking your head. You knew the anchor, didn't you? I did, yeah. I ask about the anchor, Tim, because 
you won an Academy Award for a brilliant, brilliant performance that we're going to get to. And one of the next choices you made was to be in a wig with a pipe cutting off Luke Wilson's arm with a meat cleaver in Anchorman. <laughs> How did you get into that brawl and why? Um, <laughs> I, I, because it needed to happen. Uh, I... I love the, uh, I, I love, uh, well, that was Adam McKay and uh, Will Ferrell. And uh, I love the work that they had done before that. And um, I always, you know, always have wanted to keep both going, you know, drama and comedy. Sure. Um, two separate sides of the coin. And uh, I always feel more challenged by comedy. It's harder to do. And so I've loved doing the little uh, one-offs that I've done. You know, I've done quite a few little cameos in comedies. I was in uh, High Fidelity and uh, uh, Austin Powers, I played the president. Those are fun. Like you go in, but I, I started having this thing with, 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 uh, with um, cameo roles that uh, I would ask to have a wig. And then I'd ask to keep the wig. So I have, currently I have three wigs from, from various uh, roles. What do you two, got? Two, two wigs. I still what have. What are the two wigs? I have the wig from Ian from High Fidelity, that long, you know, I, I, that Steven Seagal guy. And um, and then uh, I have the wig from Anchorman still, my, uh, my a little Afro uh, uh, PBS guy. This is what's wild, Tim. I have a question coming in two questions that is about Steven Seagal just because I read about you in High Fidelity wearing that wig. We are seeing eye to eye right there now. There you go. But what I, I need a slightly more clarity on, I love that you want to do balance, but there's a lot of people who the second they hit that stage to win the Academy Award for a very, very serious dramatic movie say, all right, now I'm going to keep winning Oscars. Now the paychecks are going to get bigger. I'm going to be the biggest thing ever. You're sitting there with Vince Vaughn and Stiller and there's whips and, and grenades. It's hilarious. Why make that choice? Because a lot of guys would have said, no, I'm over that stuff. It's part of what makes this business interesting is the variety. I mean, I, yes, because here's the thing. I learned this early on. When I did Bull Durham and it was a huge hit, I started getting all these um, requests, uh, offers to do the same guy, you know, a big dumb guy yep. that is like the ladies guy. Just another nuke. Dumb, right. More another nuke. And I just, I, I just, well, that's not the point of being an actor. The point of being an actor is to play as many different kinds of roles as you can. So I, I went for Eric, the Viking, right. <laughs> so, so I wanted to play a Viking. Um, right after that, I won the Oscar after Anchorman, I did this movie called code 46, which is a beautiful a futuristic romance. And then this other movie called Secret Life of Words, two movies that I'm super proud of, but weren't in, made in the studio system. And they're generally not in rotation in these new platforms. But I'm, I, I, the way I look at it, I, I wouldn't have changed that for a second. I, I, I'm so proud of both of those movies. It's incredible. No commercials, no mercy. Tim Robbins, you're doing great. You're three out of four. You're picking up heat now. And we're going to move on. I'm going to give you a choice again. Would you like this category for question five to be alternative rock music or 60s rock? Which would you like? I'm going to have to go for 60s rock. 1960s rock. Here you go. Your question, Tim Robbins. Question number five. Creedence Clearwater Revival named their 1969 album after what green beverage? CCR Tim? Green Beverage. Green Beverage. That was their album in 69, summer or otherwise. CCR. And you have used the coin toss. Remember, <laughs> this somehow applies to your life, Tim. This isn't just some random nonsense. All right. There's still uh, be some connection to you. Beverage. Green Beverage, uh, a CCR album in the late 60s. Do you remember the year 1969, Tim? Were you rocking out? I was 11 years old. Okay. Uh, I remember CCR. I don't remember the name of this album title. I 
desperately trying to think of what even a green beverage what is it, it, <laughs> there's not it, a lot of green beverages gatorade you know um, absinthe no it wasn't either of those <laughs> it wasn't absinthe or gatorade so it would be lime juice but that doesn't have anything to do with my career so i'm yeah i'm green sludge green sludge is green sludge correct the name of the album was Green River. Green River, an old soda pop uh, from back in the oh. day. You ever have a Green River? It's kind of older than both of us, but it was a yeah. thing. Americans think that exists. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's what they called the album. And Green River, we talked about it a little bit, but Tim, uh, I remember the exact couch cushion I was sitting on the first time I saw Mystic River. I remember how moved and disturbed I was by your performance for all the right reasons. An absolutely incredible, incredible acting performance that you did win the Oscar for. Did you know on set when you finished those scenes and you finished the scene in the in the booth in the restaurant with Sean and everybody, you said, I'm going to win a fucking Oscar for this. This is the best no. thing I've ever done. No, 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 uh, no but uh, but when I saw the movie, I here's the thing. There are so many great performances every year. It's really a matter whether you have people within the studio system that think that as well. And so um, luckily we at Warner Brothers, they really love Clint and they love the movie and they saw the potential it had for awards. And, um, you know, I, I was really busy at the time, which was really a blessing because, you know, usually there's that run up to the Oscars, you know, that uh, there's all these cocktail parties. I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a lot of campaigning that goes sure. on for these awards. Yeah. And I was at the time I was living in New York, but I was also about to open a play at the public theater in New York. So I could not be in LA at the time. Uh, and so I was blessed to just go on weekends and win awards and go back home. You know, it was, uh, I didn't have to participate in the uh, whole dance of it, which was a blessing. Well, you earned it. And I got to tell you, you could only look at that category back then. You're looking at Alec Baldwin, Benicio Del Toro, Ken Watanabe, Jaiman Unsu. It was loaded as you were sitting there. And it's Catherine Zeta-Jones. She's sitting there. She's about to reveal it. She opens the envelope. Did you think you were going to win? I I had already won the like all the other awards, you know, the Critics Awards and the Golden Globes and so and the SAG Awards. So I I I thought there's a pretty good chance Hell of yeah. it. Yeah. And uh it was luckily it was early in the show. And so I got to get drunk after that, you know. <laughs> Is that how that works? You go up, you make this you get the trophy, you get the speech, and then you just hit the bar. Tell us, take us there. Hell how does that yeah. work? I mean, <laughs> there's so much pressure in that room. It's like yeah. a it's like, you know, anxiety central and uh, to be able to relax and say, eh, got this, you know, yeah, but I was nervous for Sean and, uh, in, and, you know, I wanted him to win as well. So. Uh, and yeah. he did. Yeah, he did. I got to tell you too, Tim, you, uh, in preparing this shot that you set up in your home there, you've walked us around a few rooms. You've seen, I ne at no point in the background have I seen an Academy Awards statue. So I have to say, you probably don't have it someplace very ostentatious, do you? No, I don't. Uh, I, I, it's back actually in Los Angeles. I'm on the East Coast now. Ah. So, uh, yeah. So you do have it on the foyer and right in the middle when you walk in in the Robin's home. You see it instantly. Is that what you're telling me? Mm. Uh, it's in my office. I used to have it in my bathroom, but I thought, well, you know, it can, it can have another place now. Tim, you're three for five. You're doing pretty well. We're going to get clicking now. Number six, this is name this movie. I'm going to play a clip for you of a movie. You're not even in this movie, but I have a feeling you're going to be familiar with it. All you need to do is listen to the clip. Tell me the name of this movie. Oh, you don't know the man? Oh, well, he's everywhere. In the White House, down the hall, Miss Mullins. She's the man. And the man ruined the ozone, and he's burning down the Amazon, and he kidnapped Shamu and put her in a chlorine tank, okay? And there used to be a way to stick it to the man. It was called rock and roll. But guess what? Oh, no. The man ruined that, too, with a little thing called MTV! <laughs> School of Rock. He says with a laugh and a smile, School of Rock is Tim Robbins right. Yeah! 
School of Rock and the connection there being, of course, not only is Jack Black part of Babo Supreme, he's been a part of a lot of things you've done, but nothing more important, Tim, than the play that Jack Black was in as a 12-year-old that you cast him in. This, yeah. this is how the story goes. Do you remember the moment you saw this little 12-year-old and be like, I got to have this guy in the play? Oh, yeah. I mean, actually, there were two. I had to cast two kids and he was one of them because, you know, with kids, you have to be ready for anything. So uh, absolutely the second he walked in and then he became like when he was in high school, he started hanging around the actors gang. And there was this kid and we were like, you know, in our, we were in our 20s and we're like, get that kid out of here. We want to party, you know, and, and so he would. But he was so good at such an early age. And um, and then became a part of the actress gang and uh, went on tour with us uh, with a play called Carnage, mm -hmm. which might be one of the uh, uh, upcoming uh, oral cinema nice. productions. Um, it's uh, and he went on the road with us to uh, to uh, the public theater in New York and um, to uh, in uh, the Edinburgh Festival in London. Uh, in, in Edinburgh, where we represented the United States with this play. And so that was the first uh, thing that I, I directed him in. I loved him. I loved his energy. His, he had a beautiful singing voice. Yeah. He's funny as hell. Improvisation off the charts. And so when I cast my first movie, um, Bob, um, Bob Roberts, uh, I cast him in it. That was his, his first, uh, the first movie he did. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a long time. Uh, I've known him and, uh, he's a, he's a incredibly talented, uh, actor, um, a great human being. And, uh, uh I'm, I'm just delighted that he's in Bobo Supreme. And he's great. It's, it's Jack Black is one of these few guys that every second they're on screen, they're incapable of being boring or disingenuous. It's energy every single second. But not just screaming and jumping around either. Like he does truly moving stuff. He's one of my favorite actors. It's funny because he has a childlike energy. And you met him when he was an actual child at 12 years old. And now he's come all this way. I think it's great. If you don't cast him in that play, he goes a different direction. I don't know. But Jack Black is the man. And I'm glad you found him. Tim, I want to let everybody know you were four out of six and threatening the all-time high score currently held by a former co-star of yours, Paul Rudd who got a seven out of 10. How do you feel? I feel like I want to meet him in a dark alley with a weapon. Like we cut his arm off. Movie. I think he was dragged away by horses and a cargo net. It That's was Luke true. Wilson who lost the arm <laughs> in that famous brawl. All right, here we go. Speaking of brawls, question seven, your category is Steven Seagal. Which of the following is a real Steven Seagal movie? This is multiple choice. I made up two. One of them is real. The real Steven Seagal movie is it A, Maximum Kill, B, Born to Kill, or C, Out for a Kill? Maximum Kill, Born to Kill, or Out for a Kill? It's Born to Kill. Tim Robbins says Born to Kill. Is he right about Seagal? The real movie. You know what's crazy, Tim? He's in a movie called Out for a Kill, wow. <laughs> which is not an expression. It's out for a walk, except kill. Or out for a cigarette. Or out, out for a smoke. That makes sense. <laughs> out for a kill doesn't make sense, but eventually oh, you get man. there. It's so Segalian, though. It is Segalian. I ask because I, everything had a connection to you. You mentioned High Fidelity. People love this movie, myself included. It looks like friends sitting around having fun. But you, as you mentioned, wanted a wig for your character, Ian, and you specified not just a wig and not just a wig with a ponytail. I want a Steven Seagal wig. And why did you want that? Because I wanted to, to kind of copy his look. <laughs> why? Particularly his, his new agey kind of look, you know, yeah. kind of like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, sensitive, but I can kick your ass kind of thing. Do you like or gravitate towards playing the sort of slimy, creepier guys? Do you like that? It depends on the script. I I, I will do it if the script is good. Like, you know, for Arlington Road, I was yeah. a real creepy, weird old guy. Um, 
I, you know, played a bunch of assholes too, you know, um, Bob Roberts is an asshole. Griffin Mills, a bit of an asshole. Uh, you try to bring some humanity to the asshole. That's your challenge. <laughs> That's a great quote. Somebody sew that on a pillow. <laughs> Tim Robbins, try to bring some humanity to the asshole. I mean, the needle point. It's a needle point. Uh, you did and the movie looks so fun is that was that the spirit of that movie just great dialogue i sense a lot of improv jack black again and of course cusack who i know you go way back with yeah it was a lot of fun um yeah it's uh it's one of those things your your friend calls you up and and you know says will you come for a few days and it's it's a no-brainer because you know they're they're friends of yours and so it seems like fun and it was fun it's fun to watch too. And it's been fun to watch you on this. You're four out of seven with three questions remaining. Tim, I know you're a rock and roll guy. I know you're a punk rocker from back in the days. You still perform live. There's original music on Babo Supreme as if you needed that too. It's a full Broadway production, this thing. So this category may or may not lend itself to you. This is finished the lyric. What you're going to do is you're going to hear a, let's call it a pop music song, very much like finish the line. It's going to be a song. You're going to hear the chorus. You're going to hear the singer. It's going to stop on a dime. You have to say, what is the next lyric? I don't know if you've heard this song before. We're going to give it a try. Tim Robbins, finish this lyric. Danger Zone. Yeah! Danger Zone. With a perfect Kenny Loggins vibrato. Tim, that was great. I knew you would sing. You're, you're, a, music, you're a performer, a little bit of a ham, and you nailed the Danger Zone. Of course, we're asking about that because even though people still don't believe it to this day, there's still skepticism about it if you Google it. You do appear in the motion picture Top Gun. I do. I you do. do. I am um, Merlin. You are Merlin. Tim, did you, did you audition for this? I did. Do you remember the audition? No, I don't. I want like, I wonder, is it, was it you and some of the other pilots? I I wonder, or was it just the the late, great Tony Scott? How did this, how did you get this role? I have no idea. I really do not. All I know is that job was the perfect job for me at the time because I needed to pay the rent. Number one, it paid me starting in May and then I was off June, July, and August, and then back up in September. So all the rest of the summer I had off and I was being paid. It was the best job. And so I produced and directed a play uh, that I wrote. And um, it was it per- perfectly timed out. When I finished the play, I had to go back to work on what are your memories in let's it's probably I imagine you shot it in 85 was released in 86. What are your memories of being around Tom Cruise, Val Kilmer, Anthony Edwards uh, as a young man? It must have been exciting. You guys are all young, cool, good looking dudes. Um, yeah. Um, or not. I, I don't know. Well, you know, uh, it was kind of the hot young dudes movie. Um, uh, I had known Tony a bit before Top Gun uh, and um, Edwards. Uh, what I remember is this kind of um, uh, camaraderie that was there, but I also enjoyed meeting some of the real guys, you know, the real pilots, talking to them. And um, as someone who's, you know, uh, my parent, my father and my grandfather uh, were both in the military. Um, I've always had a respect for the military, uh, people that are in the military. I've been opposed to a lot of the actions that the politicians make the military do, but I've never, uh, I, I never thought ill of, of the actual people that are serving. And so it was a great way to uh, meet and befriend uh, people that were in the service. I think the movie, you know, came out the way they wanted it to. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, of Top Gun? No, I, I think it it it, it has a um, kind of um, tone of, uh, I don't know, kind of a jingoist tone that I think isn't particularly healthy. But 
that's not the actor's fault. The actors are all great. And by the way, Tom Cruise is a great guy and an incredible worker. And um, a, uh, a, he's always there 100% off camera for you. A lot of actors just kind of check out. And when, they, when the camera's on them, they're good. And they'll and just go, you know, when, when they're off camera, they're just not there for you. And Tom is so professional and so dedicated to his craft and uh, a real leader uh, in the cast. So, you know, and I did another movie with him called War of the Worlds yeah. later. So, um, yeah, but that was, you know, it was weird. And, and one of the things they don't talk about with Top Gun is the amount of money spent by the military to produce that film. I mean, uh-huh. every time one of those jets went up, it was a taxpayer dollars that was funding it. So yeah. that's one of the un- untold stories of Top Gun, how the United States uh, taxpayers paid for that movie. There seems to be a lot more focus on the volleyball than the United States taxpayers' (laughs) money. (laughs) And I'll tell you this, Tim, that's the true shame, at least as it pertains to your involvement. Because if Merlin had been in that goddamn volleyball game, you would have dominated. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm a pretty good volleyball player. I can get up there pretty tall. And Maverick inexplicably spiking like he's Karch Karai over this net. I feel like that's Merlin up there having his moment in the sun blocking and at no expense to the taxpayers. It's just a volleyball on a beach. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, think about it. 1985 beach volleyball wasn't that big of a deal. Now it is, you know, so another one. Top gun. All right. Two questions left. This is going to be in your wheelhouse. You're five of eight. The best you can finish is a seven out of 10, which would tie our all time greatest score. Tim Robbins. I'm really hey, impressed. A lot of pressure now. A lot of pressure. Can I Google this one? No, no Googling. You don't need to. Rappers is the category, but maybe not how you think. Tim, at a 2014 Mets game, what rapper threw out an historically terrible first pitch? This is a multiple choice question. This is a fill in the blank, unfortunately. I know you love your Mets and you got a lot of connective tissue to baseball. What year was this? 2014. You do the ceremonial first pitch. They brought out a very popular rapper, and he pretty much threw it into the dugout. Didn't even have within 50 feet of the plate. Wow. 50 Cent? He says 50 Cent. Is he right? Tim, it's 50 Cent! Now, were you fucking with me? Did you know it was 50 Cent? Because that was an incredible... That came out of nowhere. I didn't think you had a clue. It is back there in the kind of recesses of my mind of about, you know, because I have thrown out a couple pitches before, and... Yeah, I do remember that. I do remember that. Oh, my gosh. That was a great pull. I mean, it was really, really clutch. I was worried. No multiple choice. I ask you, though, because you, you, as you mentioned, you've done some first pitches. Even people who perform at the highest level of whatever their industry is talk about the nerves of the first pitch. Now, Tim, you've won Academy Awards. You worked with Eastwood, Spielberg, everybody. Were you nervous on that mound? No. It's just no. throwing the ball. Uh-huh. Yeah. How'd your pitches go? Pretty well. You know, I thought both of them people would have swung at. I'm not sure they were strikes, but. <laughs> you got it in the zone. I got it in the zone. Because <laughs> you had so much expectation because, you know, it's there's the whole thing about it's Tim Robbins, but people want to see Nuke Lelouch and dial it up to 96 miles an hour. And if, if you one hop it, if Nuke one hops it, everybody boos the hell out of you. So you can't one hop it. No, no, that would be embarrassing. That would be really embarrassing. Let's say my son's 16 years old. There's three films in front of me. I, he can, I can only show him one. One of them is Bull Durham. One of them is Field of Dreams. One of them is Major League. Should I show him Bull Durham? He's how old? Let's say he's 16. He's only six now, but when he grows up, I've been waiting for this moment. I would say show him. Yeah, show him Bull Durham. Yeah, yeah. why not? <laughs> Best Doc Gooden with the socks on, I mean, right? It's obviously the best of the three, so, you know. Incredible performance by the pitcher. We're going to show him Bull Durham. And, Tim, you've had an incredible performance. This is as if you and Nuke are, are going eight and two-thirds inning and you're about to close out the game. If you get the last question right, you will tie the all-time record set by Paul Rudd. And the last question as we close up here is always an essay form. What that means is... I'm going to ask you a topic. I'm going to give you a, an opinion that you've given before, and I'm going to challenge you to prove that opinion is correct in 30 seconds or however much you want. Tim, the opinion I've heard from you before that I would like you to defend is this. Tim Robbins says, 
playing music is more fun than acting. Is that true, Tim? The floor is yours. Tell me why. Well, you're live. You have to essentially seduce an entire audience. You're doing so with one of the greatest uh, art forms known to mankind, which is music, and probably the oldest art form known to mankind. And you're doing it with your with your vocal cords, which which is and and part of the energy you're putting out has to be the energy you're receiving. That's the whole beauty of live performance is that you're responding in a in this chemistry of what's happening and when it goes well there is nothing like it because it is this kind of i don't know beautiful cohabitation of the space that they're happy you're happy you're talking about love they're feeling love and just nothing like it, nothing like it. And you know, I, I am blessed to be able to do it. My father did it. Uh, I, that was the first one of the first memories I have of seeing my father singing and seeing an audience singing with him. And that's the other special moment of it is when you can get them to sing with you and to create harmony in the moment. Nothing like it. Nothing like. It. Well, that's about the most beautiful answer I've ever heard. I, I was going to challenge you, Tim, and say there's no way music is fun as being in Howard the Duck, but I can't do it. You got the <laughs> point. You got it right. You got a 7 out of 10, and you have finished the 10 questions tied for the best score we have ever had. I am so thrilled with you, Tim. How do you feel? I feel so proud, and yes. I'm look, I'm, can't wait for my trophy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm ready to do a... Uh, 10 question off with Paul Rudd. We may have to set it up. We may have to. The last thing you need to do, Tim, is we end every episode with a call out, meaning think of someone, a public figure that maybe you know or admire who you think would thrive in this atmosphere, who could maybe challenge the seven out of 10, who would come on here because you called them out and come and dominate. Talk to the camera. Who would you like to call out? You come on this show? Take hmm. your time. Take your time. This is important. This is important. I'm calling out Joe Namath. Fascinating. Joe Namath, you need to come on 10 questions. That's it. Broadway, you know where to find us. And you know where to find this guy, Tim Robbins. First of all, at the top of the leaderboard all time for 10 questions. And then also, Babo Supreme, baby. I am not lying to you. This thing is wild. It is entertaining as hell. I don't care what your politics are. It is a great, great listen with all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Please listen to Babo Supreme this week, next week, every week for the rest of your life. I hope so, because Tim Robbins is the master of it. And Tim, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much. You are the Lord of all creation. <laughs> thank you so much. Babo Supreme on Patreon. Babo Supreme on Patreon.com. Tim Robbins, a legend. We will see you next time on 10 Questions, my friend. Bless you, Cal. Ten Questions with Kyle Brandt is a co-production by Spotify and The Ringer. The show is produced by Richie Bozek, Jason Gallagher, Noah Malalay, Steve Allman, and Jackson Safan. Our theme song is by Matt Schiltz and Bobby Lord. Additional sound design by Bobby Lord. 